Oh Lord, there's nothing more important for us today than to hear from you. So we still our hearts and we open our souls that you might feed us, that we might know Jesus better and be more like him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I have been studying the issues of prayer and revival for many years. I don't know if any of you have heard about the revival that took place in West Virginia just a couple of months ago among high school students. Any of you hear about this? None of you. There was a, a football player by the name of Skylar Miller. I was, I was pr- speaking at a conference in Virginia Beach, Virginia in May. And one of the speakers speaking with me was coming in, and he was all excited because he was just coming from West Virginia. A football player by the name of Skylar Miller, uh, 17 years old, I I believe he was, or he is, had been diagnosed with leukemia. Uh, He was, the prognosis was not good, and there was a an an effort to pray for him. Within a few weeks, I don't know the length of the time exactly, uh, the doctors found that he was completely clear of leukemia and they believed that he was healed, utterly healed. It made the newspapers throughout this small area, this small town, uh, well, it's bigger than center cities. It's about 63,000 in a a larger population. And this well-known football player, healed of cancer, healed of uh, leukemia, so it was well-known. And one day in school, in the public school, Schuyler decided that uh, the Lord had, had impressed upon him that he had to tell his friends about Jesus. And so In the hallway of his public high school one day, he simply stopped with his Bible, opened up his Bible, and began speaking about the glories of Christ, 17-year-old. And the students who knew his condition began stopping in the hallways, and there were about 40 or 50 kids who then just sat down in the hallways up against their lockers to hear him speak. He was sharing his testimony, sharing the love of Christ to his schoolmates. This is in the middle of school. This is a public school. Within a few days, the electricity of the, uh, regarding the boldness of this young man to just stop in his school and begin talking about Jesus swept through not only his high school but other local high schools too. Within just a few days, over 400 high schoolers accepted Christ as Savior. But it didn't stop there because uh, after the excitement and the, the power of this testimony and people giving their lives to Jesus because of the testimony, well, a young evangelist was asked to come into the town too to take advantage of this, this moment. Within three months, 3,000 had come to Christ. 3,000. And this revival sweeping this 
again, this small area, poverty-stricken, where a lot of uh, drug abuse is, is rampant, sweeping through the region. And every night, they had to move their meetings every night to a, to a basketball arena in town, and they would fill the place. And every night, high school students are coming to Christ. And it's still going on. The revival continues to grow. One young football player facing cancer with the boldness to stand before his friends and speak about the power of the gospel has resulted then by the power of the Holy Spirit for 3,000 others to date. And this report, this was 3,000 people as of last May had come to Christ. So what has happened over the summer, um, I don't know yet. Remarkable work of God. One young man, thankful for what Jesus has done, opening his mouth boldly to his friends, and 3,000, as of last May, had come to Christ. But the most, most important thing about these great works of God is not what God does in the great numbers, but what God does in individual lives, how he transforms them, how he makes them into well, people who look and resemble and sound like Jesus. And that's what he wants to do for you this year too. I'm praying that there will be a sweep of God, a revival of some sort, a, a spiritual awakening that will come out of the, the heart of Nebraska. Over the past couple of uh, years, in Reno, Nevada, Reno, Nevada, which is known for gambling, it's known for the legalized prostitution, it's, it's uh, a city that has never experienced revival or spiritual awakening before. Churches, hundreds of, of churches are now gathered together on a regular basis to pray and to ask God for the pouring out of his spirit and his mercy on Reno, Nevada. And the whole city is becoming changed because of it. In fact, this past spring, I think it was this spring, it might have been the winter, the, ta the, the city council has voted to remove all public signs with regard to the legalization of prostitution. You know, when you come into an air area, when you come, to, come into the airport, these signs are there and the, on the taxi cabs, on the billboards, advertising prostitution, which is nearby the city. They have removed all of the signs advertising such, such behavior. They don't want it anymore in their city. Every quarter, all the worship leaders from across Reno, Nevada are now worshiping together and rotating their worships from church to church in the region. 785 leaders and pastors were, have been gathered together on various occasions to pray and to ask God for the pouring out of his spirit. And the most powerful moves of God are among young people. This often is the case when God wants to change history. He does so through the youngest, through the teenagers, through the students who feel the move of God and, their, and his spirit upon them and it leads to the transformation 
of cities and towns and homes and, and in fact, on some occasions, entire nations. One of the most important things that we have to think about is not these large sweeps of God's spirit, but what God wants to do in you and through you as an individual. This year, I think God wants to make this year the most important year of your life. And again, as I'm saying, if if God were to be able to do that through you and in you and because of you and in spite of you, I think there would be a mighty work of God in the heart of Nebraska. I think there would be an explosive work of God right here in Center City, Nebraska. I'm trusting that you people will trust God for a work of his spirit among you that will change the course of the history of Nebraska. It has been done before in some of the most unlikely places over hundreds and hundreds of years. God uses people just like you to change the course of history. Even the history of your own home, the history of your parents and your family and friends. Well, let me tell you just one other story. And I, I don't have a lot of time this morning. But all of us know that America is facing great, great problems today. And we're, we just don't know where America is going to be headed. We don't know what America is going to look like in 20 years when you have your families and you have your children. We're at a very critical moment in American history. And there are many people across America that are praying for revival and spiritual awakening. And I trust that you will do so too here in school. But in the 1790s, do you remember when the Declaration of Independence was made? What year? What year? 17, what? 76, right. Well, shortly after the Declaration of Independence and the War of Independence, America becomes its own country, independent of Great Britain. But America was in a mess. It was an absolute mess. Politically, they were at each other's throats. There were great political battles going on. Economically, we, were, we had seen two great economic implosions. We had enemies on our borders, France, England, Great Britain. We had the British Navy off our coast, stealing our ships. So instead of going to, to Europe with our goods and services over the North Atlantic, we went the Mediterranean route. And instead of finding free sailing through the Mediterranean route, we ended up facing Muslim pirates off of the coast of North Africa, who were stealing our ships, taking our goods, in fact, 20% of the annual federal budget was being spent on the extortion that was placed against our ships by Muslim sailors and, and, and principalities off North Africa. They would steal our ships and goods and hold them for ransom. 20% of the federal budget was being spent on such ransoms. Our churches were empty. Our political situation, the you know, Trump and Hillary are, you know, it's a national election. Any of you missed that? I, I don't think so. But the most, the, the most difficult presidential election in American history ha happened during this time between Adams and Jefferson. In fact, many Christians believe that Thomas Jefferson, one of the founders of our nation, 
was either the Antichrist or the prophet of the Antichrist. They hated him, and there was great tension in the land. There were places throughout the, uh, the new country called America where the churches were empty and in disrepair and utterly abandoned. And what happened was a group of people, like the people in West Virginia, like the people that many times throughout American history, formed themselves into groups, into little bands to pray and to seek God, and God brought a revival in America that was just simply breathtaking, transforming the entirety of our country. The Second Great Awakening, which began in 1801, spun out for nearly 50 years, and many of the first evidences that God would bring that revival came among student, students just like you finding each other into prayer, and asking God to do great things. Well, this is my prayer for you, that you would fulfill what Jesus spoke to his disciples about on the evening before he died. I shared this passage with with the teachers and staff yesterday, but it comes out of John 15, starting with verse 1 and following. Jesus, again, he's about to die, and he's telling his friends these things. Now, great works of God are splendid to talk about, but what he wants to do in your life is the most important beginning, part, beginning place. He says, I am the true vine, Jesus says, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, well, every branch that, that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will even be even more fruitful. So Jesus wants you to bear fruit. Some of it will be small fruit. Some of it, when it's all put together with other kinds of fruit, could actually end up in revival and spiritual awakening. But he wants you to be fruitful, more fruitful than you can imagine. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So Jesus has spoken to you. You've accepted him as Lord. So you're already clean, he says. But this is what I want you to do from this point forward. I want you to remain in me. So not, I don't want you just to trust a decision that you made years ago. I want you to remain in me every day. I will remain in you if you do that. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear fruit, much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. So Jesus is saying this. And I shared this with the staff yesterday. If you were a Semitic man back in these these days and you wanted to emphasize something, you would repeat it. So if you fell into a hole, it would be a hole. But if it was a pit, you would call it a hole hole in 
in Semitic languages. Or if you're talking about the glory of God, well, God is holy. But the Semitic language says that he's holy, holy. Ah, but not just holy, holy, he's what? Holy, holy, holy. That means he's really holy. So what Jesus says to you, on the night he was betrayed, just before he's about to die, he says, I want you to remain in me. I want you to remain. I want you to remain and remain and remain and remain and remain and remain and remain. Ten times he says it, which means he's making a very, very important point. He wants you and him to be like this, always. And if you are like this, if you are in him and he is in you, you will not only bear fruit, you will bear much fruit. In fact, whatever you ask of God, he will give you. And so we're going to ask God for great things this year. We're going to ask God for great things of each other. We're going to ask God for revival and spiritual awakening right here in the heart of Nebraska. We're going to ask for the great impact of this school, not only here, but around the world. But we're going to start for, with each of us, asking God to bless each of us. And this is what I want us to do then. The guys, the girls, you're split. This is what I want you to do. I want you to stand for a moment. Go ahead. And I want you to find two other people. Two other people. So a total of how many? Three. So find two other people. You might, guys, every other row, you might want to turn around every other row and find two people behind you or two people in front of you. You want to do that? All right. Now I want you to count off. I want you to count off one, two, and three. One, two, and three. All right. This is what I want us to do. When I say pray, I'm going to ask number two and number three to put your hands on number one's shoulders. And I'm going to give you 90 seconds, a 90 seconds, that's all. And number two and number three, I want you to pray by name for number one, that this year number one will remain in Christ, that number one will be fruitful, that number one would be the, the cause of a great move of God at this school. And then I'm going to say, okay, after number one, I'm going to pray for number two. Number one and number three, you're going to put your hands on number two's shoulder. You're going to pray the same thing. I want you to speak their name. I want you to pray that number two be fruitful, much fruit this year, succeed wildly, and that number two will be the start of a great move of God on this campus perhaps even revival and spiritual awakening. And then number three at the end. You all got it? All right. Would you pray for number one now? Pray it out loud. Speak their names and let's pray. Praying for number one. Keep praying. Keep praying. And now would you pray for number two? Number one, number three. Put your hands on number two shoulders. Let's pray for number two. Speak their name. We want them to be fruitful for God, remaining in Christ. And now let's pray for number three. Praying for number three. 
Number three, be fruitful, remaining in Christ and the cause of a great move of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Give each other a hug. <laughs> Now, let's just hold hands, cross the lines. Let's pray together. Let me pray for you and over you. Oh, Lord, these young men and these young women, they stand before you at the beginning of this school year, and we dedicate them to Christ. We place them at your feet, not only as individuals, but as classmates and as brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, you have saved them. You have called them out of darkness into your wonderful light. By the power of your Holy Spirit, make them one, even as you are one with the Father, Lord Jesus. But we pray that they would be fruitful, that they would remain in Christ, daily walking with their Savior. But we pray, too, that in the heart of Nebraska, we will find a work of God so wonderful that it will affect the state will affect the region, perhaps even the country. Start it here, O oh God. May the boldness of their testimony be obvious to their friends, their neighbors, their families. Lord, show your favor upon these who stand before you today. At the beginning of this year, we dedicate it to you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you.